Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Pilato. Today, we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined a little bit later on in the show by Chris Bentley, who is an author of a book that he wrote, Burning Bellatorium. That book is very interesting because he committed fraud, raising capital for investors to invest in mineral rights and wound up having to turn himself in for committing fraud. Very, very interesting guy. I'm looking forward to interviewing him a little bit later in the show. But before I bring him on, let me tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our feature is Nick Dulles, who is the president of CNX Resources. We recently had an opportunity to interview him on our radio show. Very interesting company to consider that we have not had a new built refinery in the United States uh, for quite some time. So very interesting story. I encourage you to learn more about Nick and his company, CNX Resources. Go to shellmag.com and click on the magazine cover to read all about him and many, many, many more articles on oil, gas, and business. I'd also like to encourage you, if you want to stay up with the latest issue of Shell Magazine and or the latest show of In the Oil Patch Radio Show, please visit us on our social media pages, like our page, and you'll stay up to date on all of the latest issues as well as all of the latest shows. And now it's time for me to welcome on the editor of Shell Magazine and my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in the oil patch. Well, you know, I am not in the patch today. I'm actually in Austin uh, at a conference here for TCEQ. And I have to tell you that this conference is is one of the best I've been to with how many uh, different tracks they have talking about all the different regulations and different permitting processes and stuff that they do on air quality. It's just amazing to see how much uh, they do. And I have a greater appreciation for uh, TCEQ. David, yeah, TCEQ what is, TCEQ is one of the most effective state uh, regulatory agencies in the country. You know, Texas has, has uh, reduced its air emissions far more than any other state in the country over the last 20 years. And uh, TCEQ has had a lot to do with this. Yes, and I just want to say to the Driscoll Hotel, which put us up for the conference, uh, a beautiful, beautiful hotel. If you're in Austin, it's a must stay. But let's jump on (laughs) oil and gas, our topic. Uh, So gasoline and diesel prices are setting new record highs, according to AAA Mm. and Gas Buddy. Um, and the, the whole problem here is we're getting ready to start the summer season, and we know that a lot of families drive uh, to their favorite destination for a weekend getaway and take the kids maybe to the beach or something. Are we going to see any relief this summer for families with these high no. gas prices? No. In fact, I think we're going to uh, see, you know, even higher prices as we go along. I you know, I think it was a couple of months ago, I, I said I thought we'd have $5 gasoline prices at some point this year, and I suspect we'll have them this summer. Um, I wish, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I had uh, other thing, something else to say, but I just think that's reality. Uh, it was over 440 this past week, uh, so there's not very far to go to get to five, and um, 
uh, the oil markets are still undersupplied, and and so oil prices are going to keep going up, and demand for gasoline, as you mentioned, goes up during the summer, and so I'm afraid that just means higher and higher prices at the pump, and and um, and diesel prices, my gosh, are, are going to be over six. Uh, they're already approaching that level, and you know everything we consume is transported on a ship or a train or a, an 18 wheeler that runs on diesel and uh, or on a jet that runs on jet fuel, which is a similar pro- refined product. Mm-hmm. And so that that's just creating more and more inflation on, on everything. And it's a really sad situation here. Well, and uh, you know, to think that everything that you're gonna pay for is transported in some means, like you say, expect more on those items as well so it's just it's not just gas prices or diesel prices it's what you're going to be paying for your food uh to take a vacation on a plane um and that has definitely gone up uh immensely um and i'm not happy about that but let's switch gears let's switch gears and talk about why this is happening so what do you say when you hear the media and uh, talking points coming out from the white house that this is due to the russia ukraine invasion and this is russia's fault but uh president biden's speech on inflation on tuesday did did what what do you think you picked up did he have any kind of um uh did he tell us anything about how he plans on addressing the inflation? Uh, and um, of course, this is, what are your thoughts on, is this the blaming game that, that they play very well on this is Russia's fault? Is it Russia's fault? Yeah, no, it's not. No, of course not. I mean, gas prices had risen by 80% before uh, Putin started massing troops on the border with Ukraine. And people, uh, the administration wants you to forget that uh, it was last Halloween October 31st, when the president announced his first major withdrawal from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, because high gasoline prices were killing him in the polls. And and that was, what, four months before, five months before Putin invaded Ukraine. So let's, that's, it's just silliness. It, um, you know, blaming this on Putin uh, or anything other than climate change policies is, is false. It's simply false. And the president in his speech, you know, kept talking about the plan he has, but then he didn't offer anything new. I mean, all he did was double down on the same stuff they've been doing, which is completely ineffective, as we see every time we go to the grocery store, fill up our tanks. So, no, this administration has no clue. Um, There's not going to be any relief. And the only way we're going to get any relief is uh, to start throwing the people out uh, in November when we vote. And you're specifically meaning the Democrat Party, who seems to be very committed to... Well, they're in control uh, of everything, as the president admitted. Right. Uh, And David, let's talk, because you mentioned uh, climate change, and I've got one minute. First of all, uh, Europe, they're talking... um, their EU is considering suspending some environmental protection regulations as a way of speeding up solar and wind and hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, when we talk about climate change, does this make any sense if you're going to suspend policies that you're saying we need to address climate change? But then also, (laughs) folks, figure this out. If this is what, you know, figuring that we're going to fix the climate change uh, problem here, 
how expensive is this supposed to get? We're already starting to experience uh, this. And I don't think people really understand this is just going to get worse the closer we get to that. And most yeah. people can't afford climate change. So we're, it, it just doesn't yeah. seem to fit in my mind. Which way do you go? Because, well, I, you know, and, and what you're talking about there is, is they, they're going to rescind policies that are designed to protect the environment, you know, in the name of climate change. So you're damaging the environment to protect the environment. It, it doesn't make any sense at all, but they're doing it because, because those regulations that the oil and gas industry and the coal industry and the mining industries have had to comply with for 50 years here in the United States and in Europe uh, are holding up wind and solar projects now, right? And so they're in this mad rush to, to get all this wind and solar built and they're going to rescind the protections for endangered species, you know, for for water to avoid water pollution, air pollution, which these industries do, by the way, pollute the air, pollute the water, just like oil and gas does. Correct. And they're going to rescind that to speed them up. Well, that's crazy. That, that's that's counterproductive to your entire stated goal of protecting the climate. So, so is the point that what we need to probably do is follow the money of sure, why exactly. so much money that's being invested in this yeah. and who are the benefactors of it? And are they the people sitting in, in our elected official offices? I'm not, I'm not saying this. I'm asking you to tell me where is this money going and why is there such a push and quickly? Tell well, me. I, you know, uh, in the, the next breath, the same EU officials said we need more subsidies for wind and solar and hydrogen. Okay, so so what is that? Well, that's rent-seeking industries that are, are getting billions and billions of dollars from these governments in Europe and here in the United States. And if you don't think that money, a big portion of that money is going right back into the election campaigns of those same officials, then uh -huh. you're very naive. Uh -huh. This is just a big racket uh, and it's just all a, an enormous transfer of wealth. It's an enormous redistribution of wealth, probably the biggest one we've ever seen in human history. And it's all taking place under this rubric of addressing climate change. That's what this is all about. And, you know, we're, we're not supposed to say these things. I know um, it's not politically correct, but then, you know, I never have been. Well, and... Um... I think we're saying it because somebody has to say it. And somebody has to, yeah. Somebody has to say it and we'll say it because it's the truth. You know, you, you discussed that wind and solar also in the name of Endangered Species Act and climate change and all these different things. They also produce uh, admissions into the air. Wind farms kill many, many, many species, all different kinds. It, and all yet, kinds of migratory birds and raptors and bats. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah. And they're so important to the planet. And yet, why are they exempt, but oil and gas is not? So hopefully we will leave the listeners with something to think about when we talk about the great climate change debate. I, I want to be clear. You and I do care about the planet. We live on it, too. And we are in uh, care. Uh, and, and all of us should be environmentalists in the sense of caring and trying to be greener and a little bit we can recycle more. But when 
it's a dog and pony show going on for the most part. We need to look at it realistically as well. Um, so David, when we get back from break, we will be joined by Chris Bentley, who is the author of Burning Bellatorium. Uh, and we're going to talk to him about his newly released book. You're listening to an old patch radio show. And we'll be right back. SR Trident is a veteran-owned and operated industrial construction company. Established in 2012 by co-founder Stephen Snyder and Ryan Berthold, SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals who are dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 361-776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. And now, David, it is time for us to welcome on our guest, Chris Bentley, the author of The Burning Bellatorium. Chris, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks, Kim. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're excited to uh, welcome you on the show. This is your first time joining David and I. And I wanted to have you come on and, and, and talk to us about the recent book that you just uh, released, and it's basically a discussion about um, how big investment fraud occurs, and specifically in your case with you. So it's a pretty ex uh, exciting story to tell. I'm excited we're going to get to talk to you today about it. But before we get started, tell us a little bit about the basic uh, onset of why you created the book and how it came to be. Well, Kim, um... I, I got into the oil and gas industry in 2014, uh, in January of 2014, right after I got out of the Marine Corps and um, became a landman and a right of wage. And I was out negotiating uh, easements and leases, buying minerals, uh, buying and selling minerals, doing a lot of contract work in the mineral space. And then um, I started my own business in uh, 2016 Bellatorum Resources, and at first it was just doing land services and buying and flipping uh, small mineral um, mineral rights packages. And then in 2017, grew into getting a little bit bigger and having investors. Um, very small still, though. One started with one investor at the beginning of 2017, and towards uh, Q3 of 2017, ended up having. A total of six investors and just under four hundred thousand dollars in assets um, did really well for them, and then that grew exponentially to uh, two point three million in the beginning of twenty eighteen, and then um, had another very successful year, brought on a lot more investors, and then by January of um, twenty nineteen, we we're launching another fund. And had liquidated all the 2018 assets and got to um, 22.7 million and about 100 investors, and so it grew very rapidly. Uh, it was a legitimate business. It was you know everything was above board up until you know things started to go south in the first half of 2019, and 
Um, you know, so long story short, I, I mean, there's a lot of details and nuance to the story, but long story short is I lost um, all the investors money with uh, using debt and, and, you know, and I was committing fraud in the sense of not, not your typical, uh, you know, Wolf of Wall Street or Bernie Madoff fraud in the sense where <laughs> I was, uh, you know, um, buying expensive um, cars and houses and, you know. Um, and that's and usually how it starts, Chris, right, is uh, you develop a habit for the nice things and it just, the nicest people can go south when you start experiencing things like that that you've never experienced before. But we're going to get into the book a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so, well, first, Chris, talk about, but let's go back to 2019. You said that uh, things started to go south in 2019, in early the early part of that year. Uh, what uh, what was going on in the industry that kind of triggered uh, that that series of events that that led you into to uh, a failing business? Well, so there were a lot, it was more than just the industry. The first problem was I had an internal operational um, mishap, if you will, where we had a, a huge data, um, you know, mistake in the, in the way, if you're familiar with all the lease data and tax roll data that, that, you know, where, where we get our, let's call it our prospects or our targets from, you know, we buy the county tax roll data for the mineral tax rolls and find out. And so there's a lot of uh, cleaning up the data, figuring out, you know, that the, the gross acreage in the lease is correct. And then the net, you know, the net acreage that each owner owns. So there was this, there's this stuff and it was not our first rodeo. I mean, this is something we do all the time. We send out these offer letters and we have to clean up this data. Well, for, whatever reason, we had a huge data mess up. And so we didn't have the deal flow. So, you know, rewind back to the end of 2018. Usually what happens is concurrently while I'm buying and selling assets, my team's getting the data ready for the next fund to go put the capital to work, right? And so when, I, when we come back from the holidays in January of 2019, I come back to this data mess up and, um, and $22.7 million of dry powder, right? And so uh, still not, nothing, you know, illegal or anything going on. I'm like, all right, hey, what do we do? We, we need to fix this. We, we, we identified the problem, all hands on decks. We, we thought we fixed it, got a bunch of letters out. Deal flow starts coming in, you know, what we thought was good deal flow. But um, then come to find out, I guess, in the... In the chaotic uh, scramble to fix the data, we made some even bigger mistakes and put the wrong counties and, and acreages with the wrong owners. And so a bunch of bad deals start coming in like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll take your offer. Your offer was great, you know, and then we're like, <laughs> why are, you know, and so we start drilling into what, what, man, what's going on? And we realize our data was still messed up. So yeah, then I start buying broker deals. If you're familiar with the mineral space at all, like in order just to stay relevant and do some deals, I start buying broker deals or deals that were, you know, not our normal business model, which was buying off market deals, gen deal flow that we generated, you know, where we could get a good discount, be able right. to flip. Well, whatever. so. Well, well, Chris, hang on a second, because we're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, I want to continue this. And I also want for you to tell us. So it sounds like it's kind of going south in, in an error, not so much 
by deceitful means and practices. And then you report to the FBI uh, in the book. You kind of t- turn yourself in. And we're going to get into that, but we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Remember this name, oil field experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil field experts specialty is those hard to find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs. And we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, Call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chris Bentley, author of a great book called Burning Bellatorium. Chris, before the break, uh, you were discussing how, you know, this book you wrote was pretty much your life of uh, how you discovered and learned um, an investment in oil and gas. Um, you were you, you committed a you committed fraud and you basically reported it to the FBI. I want to go back a little bit before we jump into that topic and just let you finish before we had to take the break that, that basically what was occurring was it was an error in data that you accidentally did that led you into a bigger and greater problem. So, so go back and and take up where, where you left off before we went to break. Yeah, thanks, Kim. I was just answering David's question, too, about kind of like, you know, how it all started going. So what happened in 2019? So then, as you may know, uh, in, in about the middle of 2019, the oil and gas industry started taking another dive, not a not a huge dive, but started going downhill. There right. was some consolidation yeah. going on in the industry. Prices were were stagnant and, and depressed. And um, and then so. I'm not generating any revenue. I can't flip the assets I paid for. And so in order to keep the lights on to stay afloat, that's when I start doing, you know, committing the fraud. And that's by, you know, marking up some assets that I would sell on paper, but actually selling them for cheaper or, you know, vice versa and, and um, moving money around back into our operating account so I could cover payroll and rent and things of that nature. And then as we all know, 2020 comes around, going to COVID, we experienced negative oil prices, and then it was just kept doing the same things to, you know, survive, and um, it just kept digging myself into a deeper hole. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I uh, I was a part of a company's litigation support group for many years when I was in industry, and uh, had some dealings with the Justice Department, the FBI, and so it's intriguing to me 
that you self-reported your fraud to the FBI and, and other federal officials. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk about, I'm sure they were very surprised to see you uh, on their doorstep with this revelation. Talk about how your uh, initial conversations with law enforcement went. Yeah, no, David, you're right. They were surprised. Uh, one of the FBI agents told me that in her 16 years, she's never experienced anything like this. She, <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe that has some reason to do with why I'm still, you know, a, a free, free man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, but so I went and turned myself in and, and uh, you know, that was over a year ago when I did that. And I still am not, I have not been charged. I imagine I will be. Um, you know, I assume you went to one of the local FBI offices. Yes. So the lawyer I hired, you know, there's no like crime, 1-800 crime stoppers. Or right. You don't know who to call when you want to turn yourself in for a crime like this. And so I hired a lawyer literally just to help me turn myself in. It's not, I didn't hire a lawyer to be a, you know, my defender or anything. So this lawyer that I hired, he knew the exact people to call. He set up the meeting. And so I met with the Department of Justice and the FBI white collar uh, personnel that, that handled that. And then eventually, like a few months later, the SEC got involved. And so now I've been dealing with the Department of Justice, the FBI and the SEC. And, um, you know, the last thing I heard about a month ago was that they're wrapping up and that I should be indicted or charged sometime soon but I don't know with what, I don't know what they're recommending the sentence will be or anything like that. But I think things are finally starting to move forward. At least that was the last thing I heard, you know, a little over a month ago. Well, Chris, we're going to get ready for another break, but you know, the stuff you discuss, uh, first of all, it's pretty scary. This is a, a pretty serious crime when you're looking at big investment fraud and, and of course, you self-reported and, and you said to us, you didn't mean to do it. And, and that has everything to do, in my mind, of uh, was the co fraud committed intentionally or non-intentionally? We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get back on the topic of, um, you know, visiting the FBI. You almost seem like you are ready to be charged to just kind of get this over with. So I want to go through the journey of, of how long is this uh, ben, you know, what is this doing to your family? But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. We're back. You're listening to In the Wolf Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chris Bentley, author of The Burning Bellatorum. Hey, Chris. Uh, so, so you know, you you uh, 
reported yourself to the FBI. Uh, you haven't been charged yet, but but uh, expect to be soon. Uh, was anyone else in, involved in this fraud? And if so, uh, are any charges being brought against anyone else involved? No, nobody else was involved, David. Um, that was probably one of the, um, you know, the, the biggest things that made this, you know, kind of, you know, everybody asked, well, what, what made you finally go turn yourself in? And it was, you know, literally just this, living this constant lie of having to silo every part of my life and business yeah. and keep everybody in the dark. And it, it got to be too, um, too burdensome, so to speak, uh, and, and just weighing on my conscience. So, you know, I was just, you know, I, I've talked about this before. I was in the process of, you know, potentially getting a huge capital commitment to the company that would have made everybody whole and whatever, but it was also a lie, you know, and it was, it would yeah. have required me to also break, continue to break the law the, the, because if I would have received this hundred million dollar capital commitment in order to move out all the money around and make everybody whole and move assets that around would have, would have required a lot more forgery and wire fraud and bank fraud and a lot of those things in order to get everything um, made right. And, um, you know, it was just, it, it was not a, a path I wanted to go down. I've talked right. about, you know, my, my journey and my faith. And, and it was like, every time I went to church and to Bible study, it was like, <laughs> you know, it was just poking me in the eye. Like every message and every scripture I read was directed right at my, you know, at my heart and my, my conscience. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, Chris, you, you, you bring that up and that's so important is that you, your moral compass was telling you this was wrong. And I can't tell you that over the 10 years that we've had um, Michelle Magazine and in the Oil Patch Radio Show, we have seen a couple of, of uh, individuals go to prison for similar, you know, raising capital for wells. And, um, and, and truly, they didn't even have leases or wells. So this, is just, this was just committing fraud from the very beginning. And um, I, I look at those people and I kind of, see a very different person than you and your family in the way that they were living super, super high. Uh, we're talking about multiple, very expensive cars, several very expensive homes, um, and just, you know, whining and dining and blowing and going. Um, and um, it caught up with them and they were not the ones to go and turn themselves in. They had to, you know, they, they were caught. Besides publishing the book, what are you doing now for a living and how are, how are you and your family surviving while you're waiting for these charges? This just seems so like a thriller itself. I don't know, David, what do you think? It's like yeah. I'd be on pins and needles um, the whole time. Uh, how are y'all making a living? How are you doing right now? Yeah. Well, luckily uh, my wife has always been a uh, professional woman and, and held a job. And so she's working. Uh, I have a small military um you know, pension, if you will. And, and from when my time in the Marine Corps and that's helping us. And get thank you by. for your service and your honesty too, by the way, the, the, those go a long way. Thank you. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, like the book is a hundred percent of the book proceeds will go to the investors. You know, I'm hoping that uh, we get some more um, engagement on the book and, and sales, uh, maybe some speaking engagements, which also money from that. If I, if I can find paid speaking engagement, that'll go to the investors. 
Um, so my goal is to make 100% restitution. I know it's a large hole to dig out of, but, uh, and then I'm also working uh, for a nonprofit thrift store. I'm actually in the process of rolling off so that if I do get indicted, um, you know, it won't negatively affect the thrift store. But yeah, I was just managing, I've been managing a thrift store for the last few months. And, um, you know, so that's helped keep the, keep the lights on and the bills paid. But uh, it definitely is, um, you know, it's tough times financially and, and emotionally and spiritually for the family. But, um, you know, God bless my wife. She's still with me. And, you know, the, the silver lining for me and all this is I've gotten to spend way more time with my kids than I have in, you know, probably the last six or seven years before that. So, yeah. you know, I take them to school every morning, which is nice. Chris, uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of Texans, hundreds of thousands of Texans own mineral interests in this state and, and in other states as well. And, and we typically, you know, get these letters occasionally from folks wanting to buy our mineral interests, which was kind of the business you were in. I, I wonder if you have any warnings for folks uh, what to look for when they get those letters. Absolutely. I, I would um, encourage every mineral rights owner to have a Texas file account. I believe it's just texasfile.com, but you can do for $5, you can do a statewide search of mineral deeds. And what I would encourage all mineral owners to do is when they get a letter, um, you know, try to look the company up on Texas file and see if they're actually a buyer and holding the interest. Like, because a lot of brokers will um, make themselves look like buyers, they'll act like they're buyers, and really they never even um, put their own money at risk or, or buy the asset, and they'll do what's called a simultaneous close. So even if you see a deed into those owners, what you'll often see is on the same day or the very next day a deed going out, and that's how you'll know you're dealing with a broker most times. If that's something that you constantly see with a company, then chances are they're brokers and they're not actually buyers. Um, and texasfile.com is going to give you that information? Well, you you got to do a search. You got to know how to navigate it. But once right. you, I mean, it's it's pretty uh, intuitive and, and self-explanatory, but once you would search for the company's name on the as the grant, uh, grantee, a grantee search on a mineral deed, and you'd be able to, so for example, if you know, you wanted to search Bellatorum on there, you'd see that we actually bought a bunch of interest and we held them for longer than, you know, uh, we, we weren't simultaneous closers or brokers. Yes, we right. flipped them, but we would, we were actual buyers and it meant we actually had money in, we put our own capital at risk. And a lot of times the brokers are just guys sitting in their, in their home office with their underwear on acting like they're buyers and not, you know, they, they don't even have any <laughs> capital of their own. So very interesting. Chris, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from break, let's talk about uh, San Juan Basin Royalty Trust and what that is and the different models. We have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Wool Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, 
advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. We're back. You're listening to in the Low Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chris Bentley, author of Burning Bellatorum. Chris, um, I, I wanted to ask because I've, I've been aware of, of royalty trusts uh, that have been pretty successful business models over the years, like the San Juan Basin Royalty Trust, which is a big conglomeration of, of really uh, royalty interests that a, that a company acquired and put into a trust fund. There's a Permian Basin Royalty Trust as well. Uh, that have been pretty successful business models. And I wonder how what you were doing, you know, differ, differs from those royalty trust businesses that have been around for so long. You know, David, we, we were, we would have been a company selling to, to those bigger okay. companies. So we're on the ground, you know, buying directly from the legacy owner, like such as yourself, you said you own minerals, like let's say you would have received a letter for, from us. And if you decided right. it was the right time to sell, we would have bought your interest and maybe bought several other people in your family or, or that were connected to your uh, assets somehow, put together a, a package, if you will, and then flipped it to the to the bigger buyers up the food chain and, you know, hopefully made a spread on putting together that package. So if, let's say we paid you, you know, let's call it whatever, $10,000 a net royalty acre, and then hopefully we could put a put together a uh, package and then sell it for 12,500 in that royalty acre. So, um, yeah. So well, oftentimes I, those, those bigger trusts will have a minimum transaction size where they won't do the smaller deals. And so we were willing to do basically any size deal as long as we had the capital to, to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like everything else, the, you know, related to the oil industry, you're, you're always going to be subject to the boom and bust cycle that the industry goes through, right? And it can disrupt every kind of business that's that's uh, associated with it. And I think what we're seeing with your story is, is a, a very similar kind of thing. And, you know, the other thing that strikes me is the fact that uh, the, the way you got in trouble initially was through a misinterpretation or misunderstanding of deed records, which can be such a, you know, I've, I've done a little land work in my time and, and it's complicated. It is incredibly it's complicated. Finding and seeing where the chain goes within family members and percentages and people just don't realize how complicated it really is. It, it can be, yeah. you know, someone's mineral rights passing down through the family generations is extremely complicated. Yeah. You know, Kim, uh, you and I both know Alan Gilmer who built drilling info, uh, which is now in Veris into this enormous corporation. But uh, he started, this is how he started his business, by driving all over the state of Texas with his two partners, compiling all these land records and putting them into a database during the 1990s. And, uh, and uh, but, you know, he's, he tells stories, and we had him on our cover of Shale Magazine a couple of years ago, the stories he tells about <laughs> trying to 
interpret the records of these county courthouses are can be pretty amusing but um, but anyway so let's so david let's and, and chris let's talk about consequences um because i think in the end of what i want to leave our listeners with is you know some some warnings chris yeah. tell us a little bit about um what should um someone be looking for when they get that letter um you, you said go to um texasfile.com that's not that easy to do when when you don't know how to navigate through it but um i want to talk also about the consequences of um your crime with the people who invested and just kind of button it up for us a, a good advice that you could give someone um to avoid unfortunately the accident that occurred uh, with you and you will you're ready to take your punishment if you will so i, I would say if you're investing in alternative I, I hope that my crime doesn't deter people from investing in this asset class or in alternative investments i think the warning to investors would be make sure that whoever your fund manager is your your asset manager uh has the necessary guardrails in place or or uh controls to keep that person um honest you know i think all my investors you know i i think you know i believe i was an honest person and that i had no bad intent and i think most people are right but when when we're when we've got our backs against the wall and things go south sometimes desperate people do desperate things and make bad decisions right well what could have prevented that would have been i guess if i had put more rules in place to to keep myself um, honest, basically to make it very difficult for me to uh, do what I did. Well, I had a pretty um, broad authorities and, and abilities to do what I did, and I exploited that weakness in my, my operating documents. So I would say if you're an investor looking to invest, take the time to read those long, boring contracts and look for chinks in the armor, so to speak, that, that could allow your manager the latitude to do what I did. If you, if they've got a, a very well-defined box on their reporting and their oversight, then, then you'll probably be in a better situation. I had always operated with a lot of latitude and it never was a problem. And so I think when I, when things got problematic, I knew, well, I don't have very stringent reporting requirements and this and that and the other. And so I took advantage of it. So that would be my, um, warning to investors is just read the documents and look for a more, um, you know, a strict kind of guidelines for the manager to operate within and reporting and oversight for managers that are starting their own businesses and entrepreneurs that want to get into this space. It's a great space. I mean, and just not any, just not minerals. I mean, anything in where you're raising and managing other people's money, put those guardrails on yourself. It would be uncomfortable uh, it'll be uncomfortable at first, but it's worth it. You want to, you know, we talk about in life doing things to prevent, you know, to, you know, you don't go hang out in nefarious um, establishments, right? And you do yeah, that. Don't put yourself in bad situations. Right. So do the same thing in your, on your business and your operating documents, you know, put those controls in place. You know, uh, none of us like to create bureaucracy and red tape that makes our, our jobs harder and, and more paperwork. But I think, Hindsight being 2020, I would I would uh, absolutely recommend that to you know entrepreneurs and fund managers. Yeah, that's why in business classes in college they teach you about uh, the importance of having internal controls in your your accounting system and, and management systems, right? Right. I think uh, when you're when you're an entrepreneur though, and you start, you literally have a kitchen table type startup. 
you know, I've been to business school, I got an MBA and they talk about that, but I think, you know, um, come and, you know, take my word for it. If you don't take your, your professor's or the textbooks word for it, you should put those controls in place. <laughs> well, you definitely want to stay out of jail is the point. And so good internal controls from the start is what I'm hearing you say. But for the other side of um, the spectrum, which is the investor, I mean, not the investor, the person who wants to uh, sell their mineral rights to an investor and or thinking about giving money to an investor to purchase some mineral rights, those are the areas that I'm really concerned about because these typically tend to be more senior citizen type people, people that have received mineral rights from generations back and have no idea what to do with them or how uh, to unload them, but they were looking to release them and get some get their hands on some money. Well, Chris, that is all the time that we have for this show. Um, thank you for being a guest. And just a warning to people who are listening, do your research. Um, get an advisor, talk to a financial advisor if you're thinking about unloading your shares and or purchasing some shares, um, do your research. Chris, thank you so much for uh, coming in and talking to us today and good luck with your book. It's very interesting. Uh, again, thank you for joining us on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, David. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.